here at Allens, they want you to learn and they want you to enjoy yourself. Go for it and keep your mind open. But a mentality of celebrating difference. Pro bono is a really important element. You play a pretty critical role. The work we do towards reconciliation, sustainability and philanthropy. God, my friends have taught me so much during this experience. Got off the train and I was like, Elle Woods arriving at Harvard. <laughs> I was just like, this is my moment. If you have a smile on your face and you're willing to get stuck in and apply yourself, then you'll bring so much value. This is Alan's Confidential. Well, hi, Will. Today, as you know, we're moving past our own four walls and we are thrilled to welcome two incredible Allens alumni who have kindly agreed to be interrogated by us. So I'm very excited to introduce Nicholas Sinclair, who joined Allens as a grad in 2008 and is now a senior business affairs and legal executive at Fremantle, and Jackie Purcell, who joined Allens as a grad in 2005 and is now the CFO at Deputy. Thank you both for joining us. So, We'd love to start by getting a picture of your career to where you are now, sitting across this very esteemed table from us. Can you walk us through how, like, you know, your early years at Allens and also how, you know, your career evolved after that? Nick, do you want to start with you? So I was here from 2008 to 2012. I'd actually first set foot in the building before that as a, as a summer clerk and paralegal. I worked in the litigation team with people like Guy Foster and Matt McLennan and Carlo Bongiorno and many, many others, and then landed in the TMT group with Ian McGill, who was then heading up the group, and Gavin Smith was not yet a partner. Fred Chilton was still around, and an amazing team of associates, Adrian Fisher and Ed Railwood and Valeska Block and on and on and on, Matt Vittens. And Matt Vittens is kind of a key person in my um, career because I ended up following him by happenstance to the, to the U.S., Landed in New York in 2012, and I spent three years at a firm there, while Gotch Lamangis, while my wife was doing a master's and, and working at the Manhattan DA's office. And then we came back in 2016. I went across the road for a red hot minutes in Mallison's um, and then got a call from Matt Vittens, who I mentioned before who had been the lead associate when NBC Universal acquired a production company here called Matchbox, um, Matchbox Pictures. And Matt had then been in New York. He did an LLM, worked at, I think, Cravath in New York, came back and, and became the head of legal at Matchbox. I'd stayed in touch with him like I had with a lot of the people from Allen's and, and still am about opportunities in the media, which was where I wanted to end up. And Matt said, you know, how would you fancy actually working at the production coalface? And I knew nothing about production. I'd worked as an IP media tech lawyer, like predominantly tech really, and thought, you know, I might be more suitable to like a, a more corporate media sort of distribution role. But Matt showed me the ropes and spent two wonderful years at Matchbox making shows like Glitch and Secret City and- Really? Glitch? Yeah. That's a great one. Have you seen Glitch? No, I haven't. Absolutely love that show. That's so exciting. So what, how was the production role different to what you had anticipated, kind of the more corporate side of things? Well, what when I say making, about it? I obviously had nothing to do with the media <laughs> behind the camera. It was a linchpin of <laughs> the operation. Right. <laughs> I knew nothing about how TV and film is financed right. in Australia. Like It's a whole cottage industry of its own in yep. terms of the tax um, regime. And I mean, I, you know, I didn't know how cast deals work. I, I could do contracts. I could do, you know, mm. general commercial contracts. Anyway, it was, you know, it was a steep learning curve for a good three, maybe six months and kind of found my, my footing. Eventually, the CEO took a job at Fremantle, and much as I loved and adored Matchbox and still do, a couple of years into my stint, he, having already left, offered me a, a job at Fremantle that was too good to pass up, and I've been do, doing more or less the same thing there for a couple of years. 
Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, I've got a lot of things I want to unpack there, <laughs> yeah. but let's let's move quickly to Jack. How about you? How how did your trajectory run when you joined Allens and then when you left? So coming out of Sydney Uni, always had a big interest in business, but still felt that there was no better way to start your career than in the law. I think the law is an amazing way to learn about companies and how deals get done and how to navigate kind of complexity and, and all of those things. So came to Allen's, I ended up deferring for six months. I was on a working holiday in London and having too good a time. An important <laughs> rite of passage. I, I did extend mine for another two years, so yours is much more dignified, but um, it has to happen, has to happen. Yeah. And so came in, did 12 months in corporate, lots of M&A stuff, and then 12 months in banking and finance when securitization was really hot. Obviously, I went to the hot areas. I had finished my last semester of uni. I'd done an exchange at NYU and that just gave me the bug to get back over to the US and do some further study. Um, so I actually left Allen's to go do an MBA after two years and use that as a bit of a stepping stone to go to kind of Wall Street. And I joined Morgan Stanley where I spent eight years in their M&A team doing nothing but M&A of all sorts, small, big, public, private, buy side, sell side. Loved it for a long time. I think until I didn't, I was a bit stuck. I was you know, living in New York, had a, an amazing life. Again, theme of fun, having lots of fun, um, but not being very professionally fulfilled. So I actually stepped out completely and took a nine-month sabbatical. I traveled down to South America, spent some time skiing. I went to Burning Man, all kinds of different things just to give myself some headspace and really felt a desire to come back, kind of come back home and have part of my career back in Australia, but wanting to do something quite different. And I think at the other end of the spectrum to places like Allen's and Morgan Stanley and in a smaller organization where I can just dive in and get my hands dirty. So I started networking in the early stage community, early stage tech community when I landed back in Sydney and found a role at a high growth kind of startup scale up called Coltramp. I joined Coltramp as what became their CFO. I had to uh, earn my stripes before I got the title as a first time kind of operating executive. Had an amazing couple of years at Coltramp and then uh, Coltramp's actually headquartered in Melbourne. I um, had my first child, met my partner and really wanted to be back in Sydney. So moved across to Deputy, which is another high growth startup, which is in in the CFO role. And then I am actually about to finish that chapter and about to start with TDM Growth Partners who are invest in high growth companies and they had invested in culture out, which is how I, how that came about. Wow. It's all very exciting. It seems like there is, there's really a theme of, I know Nick, you, you're originally from Canada. Is that right? But there, there's a theme I, I see a lot where Australians, particularly lawyers who are uh, received, their qualifications are received well around the world. And those that perhaps don't even want to pursue law elsewhere seem to go out on these Antipodean adventures, see desperate the world, to get overseas. desperate to leave, <laughs> see the world and then bring all of that back to Australia, which is a lovely thing. I mean, it's great for us that we get to have these conversations with you and you're back now. Do you think that starting your career at Allen's in Australia in law gave you a good toolkit to do that? A hundred percent. It was the best decision I could have made in terms of, you know, the firm specifically. I mean, I'm still practicing as a lawyer, so no regrets on on the, yeah. the broader career choice. But I remember, I reckon my summer clerkship year was probably the easiest year in history to get an offer. It was bull market pre-GFC, big intake. So I had a few offers and it wasn't until I met a few people who, some of the people I rattled off before, September, October of the, when you had to make up your mind and that I got a good feeling about Allen's, but you know, it could have gone either way because the reality is you just don't know, but I could not have made a, a better choice. 
That's good. That's what we like to hear, isn't it? <laughs> and and what makes you say that? I mean, you've worked in many different roles since then, but are there things you remember from Alan's that have kind of carried through? Or what was your impression of the the skills you learned here? I think it's it's um, both. It, it was a lot of fun to hit on the fun theme again. Yeah. It was, I mean, I don't know what the secret sauce is, but invariably you, you get a remarkably diverse and collegial group of people together in any intake cohort. You know, we had a great time. And also just, I, th- I think in terms of the both the hard and soft skills of professional life, Allen's is certainly, you know, as compared to the other firms I've worked in, and definitely once you get out into the big wide world, the way I was taught to communicate here at Allen's in terms of the sharpness and pithiness of, of my, or maybe not verbal, but certainly written communication skills, I think is second to none. I remember people like Dick and Loxton putting a huge emphasis on lack of extraneous language and pithy expression. And at the time, I thought it was a little bit too much, but um, you, then, then you get over to sort of New York and you see documents that you know could be 33 pages and instead there are 165 pages yeah. <laughs> and you come to appreciate um, you know what, what that was all about at Allen's. I'm glad you, you mentioned Dickon Loxton. So yeah. he is still a titan of the firm and is still doing the legal writing workshops for He's grads. He's an icon. So yeah. every every Allen's employee, I'm sure, is aware of Dickon and, and the work he does. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that the pain is all worth it that we're going through right now. The excruciating markups on every email and every piece of communication and the long but informative sessions with Dickon will turn us into masterminds like you both. <laughs> Jackie, did you feel that you were set up well? What were things that you took away from Allen's when you went off into the I'll, big wide world? I'll definitely uh, plus one the emphasis on clear and concise communication and I'm not sure actually what's more frustrating is being on the receiving end of someone marking up you know, every form of written communication or when the tables turn and you're the one, um, <laughs> and this is, you know, obviously outside of Allen's, but, you know, some of the the communication that I read now, I'm like, oh my God, like just, you, you don't appreciate the value of that training until sure. you're on the other side of things. And I, I find it, I now have to report to boards and being able to put together good board packs, like being able to just distill clear messages is super helpful. Mm. But look, I think, you know, Alan's punches above its weight on the world stage and having worked in New York with lots of different investment banks, lots of different global leading law firms, the bar for talent here is as high, I think, as it is anywhere. And often people think, I don't know, little Australia at the, the end of the yeah, world. Absolutely. But I really do think the the quality of the people and the work that happens here is as good as you'd find anywhere. And I'm sure there are plenty of alums will tell you that they've spent time in London or New York and came back here and and found that to be the case. And I want to jump back a little bit in time to talk about your decision to leave and how that was received in the firm because we've probably got a lot of grads listening or people staring down the barrel of their legal career right at the start thinking you're trying to apply for this job and you spend so much time on the clerkships and the application to think that, you know, after a couple of years, you're ready to go. So when you guys were deciding to leave, was that received well in the firm? And were you always intending to only spend a couple of years here? When did you really make up your mind about, were you going to be a partner at Allen's or are you going to go and do something else? People were incredibly supportive. I think as I was going off to study, you know, it was, and I needed people to write my referral letters, my application. But look, I think everyone was super supportive. And I think it speaks to the approach Allen's takes to recruiting in general, right? I found compared to pretty much any other law firm I met and consistently across the people I met at Allen's, they're interested in obviously what you can bring to the firm from a professional sense, but also what you bring to the firm from a personal sense in terms of your interests and extracurricular activities. And I think 
And anyone who's been to an Allen's alumni party will tell you those relationships run really deep. And I think people know if you have come here and been given opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise have had and you go off and you become successful through those, whether or not you return to Allen's as an employee or a partner or as a client or as just a friend of the firm that- Or a victim of the podcast. Or a victim (laughs) of the podcast. (laughs) People here take a long-term view with those relationships and- you know, I can remember actually right before I left New York being an, at an alumni event uh, in New York, I think Tom's story and VJ had come over and, you know, it's like no matter where you are in the world, like that connection just runs really deep. So I think there was definitely a lot of support. People were, you know, people were bummed because they then had to you train up someone new. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but fundamentally supportive. Yeah, that's nice. I like I like what you've um, touched on there about the, the nature of that network. And we are told that from day dot here, aren't we? And yeah. I, I suppose kind of generally when you're at law school, you get told this as well. But I remember Tim Stewart the other day at the Summer Clark welcome drinks said the most valuable thing in this room um, are your peers, your cohort to the Clark starting. And it's so true. I think even only a couple of years in, there will be people that will go and do vastly different things. And I know that the two years or the three years or four years kind of in total, that even if you just do the grad program here, you have a network that's probably pretty robust and powerful and can withstand the test of a lot of movement and, and things like that. So it's lovely to hear that you still feel that now. And look, there, there are plenty of people who have gone off and done things and returned to Allen's. And yeah, that's right. Those people can certainly tell you that, not that the grass is always greener, but yeah, I think sometimes you need to leave a place and come back to appreciate everything yeah. that's special about it. Yeah, you Definitely. need to be the prodigal son. <laughs> <laughs> and, and make a triumphant return. And Nick, what about you? Have you had a similar experience when you were deciding to leave the firm? Was it always something you were going to do or you kind of just saw how the grad program went and kind of made that decision there? I think it was probably something I was always going to do. I mean, I, I kept an open mind coming in, but I did, did definitely didn't come in thinking I absolutely want to be or need to be a law firm partner. And I think that, you know, the, the model doesn't necessarily work that way anyway. But um, <laughs> I, got, I got a really good sense. I mean, going back to that initial decision of where to do summer clerkship, I got a really good sense that Allen's would open doors and would would introduce me to a plethora of people who would inevitably lead to other opportunities. I mean, we, we had such a deep sort of bench in the TMT team back then. There was probably a sigh of relief that, <laughs> that someone was leaving. But um, in all seriousness, though, that they could not have been kinder and nicer and more supportive. I mean, Ian wrote references for me. Um, I'm pretty sure Gavin made some calls. In fact, my connection to, to Weil was ultimately through a friend who'd done a clerkship here. I can't remember if she started as a grad, but so, so I kind of probably owe that to Alan's as well. And even when, you know, I was in New York, uh, like Jackie, I would go to the alumni events, but even when, uh, even unofficially, if Ian was swinging through with the family, we'd, we'd catch up, we'd have dinner. When I came back, I would I think on week two at Mouse, since I was having a coffee with, with Ian, yeah. um, still still get together with with Gavin for lunch, and then of course all the associates as well. So it's been a, a you know really enduring kind of connection, which not because I don't like them or anything, but I don't have that kind of durable long term connection to partners at the other firms I've worked at. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's interesting talking to you both. I mean, I know we focused a lot now on on the transitory nature of of law and where those skills can take you and and leaving Allen's. But I'm interested to hear from you both about when you were at Allen's, for those listeners that perhaps are just starting out and they're here and they maybe don't know if they want to stay here forever or not, but they know they're here right now and they want to make the most of it right now. Jackie, I know that you are a believer that you should always make the most of where you are and not use it as a stepping stone to get to the next place. Can you talk to us a bit about that and why why you believe that? Yeah, if there's one 
catchphrase I took from Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In, which is never leave before you leave a place. And the one thing for me through my career, I think has been more comfortable taking on more risk as I've gone through my career. So being more open that, okay, it's okay if something doesn't work out or I'm jumping into the unknown and I'll sink or swim. But I think it, it took me a while to get to that place. I was always too worried about making sure I was going to roll or I knew I would be successful. But in general, I've probably always had more of a 12-month horizon in front of me than a five, 10-year horizon and, and things have unfolded. And I think the better job you do in your existing role is the fastest way to have more opportunities open up to you. So whether that's a partner identifies talent in you and really invests a ton of time in you, or it's a client that is like, oh my goodness, you've like, this person has just gone above and beyond and opportunities come that way. Like you just, you don't know where those are going to come from. And I, f- I find often people are spending too much time trying to look ahead and be focused on kind of getting to that next thing. And they drop the ball on what Mm. the current things are and that in the end just slows people down. So I always think, you know, whatever your, whatever seat you're in now, like giving it its all, investing everything you've got in it, the opportunities that will come from that are immense. And I think the approach I've had through my whole career and it's, it's, it's working so far. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Clearly it is. That's awesome (laughs) advice, I think. And it is super easy to forget that sometimes, particularly when you're always in a race for the next rotation, the next, you know, the next matter. Promotion cycle, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, all of those things. Plus the other lesson I think I've had is just to keep open-minded. Sometimes the things that you think you want to do or that you love turn out to not be as great in reality. And there are other things that you never even considered that turned out to be areas of passion and Again, it's a little bit outside the law, but one probably from my time at Coltrane that I've discovered is just this passion for kind of the people, like people slash HR practice and the importance of that in organizations. Like I now just am such a champion for it and would never have thought, I always thought that was kind of the soft area of business, but I'm not like actually that aspect of any organization is so important. And I kind of discovered that by accident, but I think yeah, keeping open mind is also important. I think that's yeah, super relatable for people coming into a firm like Alan's where, you know, you submit preferences and maybe you don't get the team that, you know, all your friends are doing or that you thought you would want. And then you hear all these stories of partners who come on the podcast and say, well, I didn't want to go to whatever team it was. And they eventually like loved the team because, yeah. you know, it was just the people there or the work they, you know, the stereotype of the work they thought they would be doing would be uninteresting. I mean, I definitely had that experience in litigation where in law school, civil procedure is a much hated subject and is one of the driest things out. But I really like, I don't know, the work in industries and investigations. And it's often, you know, weird stuff about pleadings, rules or service or whatever, but it's way more interesting in reality. And I think you're so right in that keeping an open mind to new experiences, you can really enjoy a kind of like weird job that you didn't think you would actually enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Just to echo that, I remember when I was making that decision as to where to come as a summer clerk, um, I remember a, a partner at Freehills, which is, I think, one of the two or three firms I was tossing up. I had put down that I wanted to do M&A, and I can't even remember what the second rotation was, but I, I, I kind of wanted to have as diverse an experience as possible. And so I'd put down M&A. He was an M&A partner. And in the interview, he was like, okay, well, you, you want to do, come in here as a grad, do one year in M&A, then I really think you should do banking and finance. Then you want to go to London, go to Magic Circle firm. And he'd kind of set out what the next five to eight years should look like, which could not have been more different to the approach at, really? at Allen's. And I think to the, what Jackie's saying that you should have an open mind and 
it's not that everything is happenstance and that you, you obviously create your own opportunities and your own luck, but you just can't possibly know in that position. I mean, even if you're, I don't think you know for sure, even two, three years into your career, let alone before you've finished your studies. Mm. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with just sort of taking it all in. And, and I think you you absolutely get out what you put in and yeah. Yeah. It's nice to know that we, we don't need to have it all mapped out still yet. I will keep telling myself that until I die, (laughs) I think, but um. also just the, the pace that the world is changing is so rapid. And, you know, I think about, I'm, I really need to do some homework and understand it in more detail, but NFTs and blockchain and the legal implications of all of those things. I mean, how interesting and like so much is changing so quickly that I think there's going to be just completely new areas opening up all the time yeah. as well. We, we'd be fools to plan ahead, yeah. effectively. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that reassurance. <laughs> really, it really supports the way that Will and I navigate the world anyway. And push that decision down the road again. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, I was going to ask, I know we've touched on, on those two things, but was there any advice outside of that that, you know, you could would go back and tell yourself if you were a summer clerk or a graduate again at Allen's, is there some really great piece of advice you could give for young lawyers? I think... I mean, I'm picking up on themes we, we've touched on, but more often than not, the really good opportunities you get in your life are not necessarily going to come from the LinkedIn job ad that you've seen that you're going to be, you know, one out of 175 people applying for. They're going to be from the former client or colleague or someone calling you up or introducing you or you calling them. I think be fully invested in the relationships you, you, you've got while you've got them because you never know what's going to come around. And I've, you know, I would not be where I am today if I hadn't gotten that phone call to come in and join Matt Vittens at Matchbox and he wouldn't have been in that position and, and therefore I wouldn't either if he hadn't done such a good job as the lead associate on the transaction when another another company like the the actual Allen's client bought Matchbox, but he impressed the target so much. So I think that's how I would, yeah, those anecdotes, I think, are are my answer to that question. Yeah, I I think that's so true. And I think often law students who haven't done a lot of like networking, or at least me going in, think that networking is this like weirdly artificial thing where you like message random people on LinkedIn. and gives you hives. Yeah, and like hand out your business card at a party. Like I think it's remembering that the people that you work with are going to go off and do a million different things that are really cool. And you can be like, I want to do that too. Absolutely. And that's networking as much as the LinkedIn messages and whatever. And the value of the network will, it compounds over time as everyone's career grows and people are going off and doing interesting things and it's introductions that will come from, hey, you know, I want to get to know this person and I see you know them and the willingness of someone to just make that introduction and because of the quality of kind of the Alan's name, people pick up the phone and don't hesitate to do it. So I think understanding that the value of that network compounds. I think also on the flip side with LinkedIn now, it's really easy for people to do background reference checks. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you know in common? Hey, yeah. what are they like? And so just your you know, reputation has been something I think Alan's has always emphasized so much and how just priceless the reputation of the firm is and how fragile it is, you can lose it or damage it so easily. It's the same for your personal reputation. And I think the the more you invest in relationships, the stronger it is. And those background reference checks are almost more important than the, yeah. <laughs> the formal ones. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the legal world is especially in Australia, is a small world. Like, yeah. you know, you run into people you know all the time at, you know, especially if you stay in law yeah. at other firms. So burning bridges is probably not great advice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, so true. 
So Jackie, we're just talking about the skills that we learned at a young age at Allen's and and Nick was mentioning that, you know, clear, concise communication was one of them. Do you have any other experiences of in in later jobs you've employed your legal mind or apply yourself from the skills you learned at Allen's in kind of non-legal role or in in, your job that's been really helpful? Sure. So I've not worked as a lawyer since leaving Allen's, but I use the skills I gained here daily and the ability to take a contract figure out what's important in it very quickly is something that kind of continues to to serve me. I think the best example, sadly now this is kind of 10 years ago when I was still probably really eager in my career, I was working as an investment banker at Morgan Stanley on a health insurance deal. I wasn't, never done insurance before or FIG. It was really complicated in terms of the reserves that were involved in this deal. Anyway, I was responsible for the financial model. Being the diligent associate that I was, I was also, I also read the merger agreement back to front and was making sure that my financial model ticked and tied with everything that was agreed. Um, And in doing that, I realized that the way they were calculating the reserves was wrong. And and our client was being advised by a top-tier global firm that will remain nameless. Um, (laughs) It was not Allen's. (laughs) Uh, Very expensive partners. And I convinced myself this calculation was wrong. And so kind of the days and weeks leading up to this deal closing, I kept trying to, to flag it and kept being told like, shut up. Mm. <laughs> I actually had a one of, well, my university and Alan's close friends, Tom Glasson, staying with me in New York. So he can remember the, he didn't get much sleep either. So this, <laughs> this was the last night before the deal was closing and working through the night. I don't know what, I must have come home or gone to dinner and had to log back on and was still trying to get my point across that this, this clause was wrong. And kind of just, I must have annoyed my boss enough that she eventually paid attention to me and they had a kind of literally like the 11th hour phone call and realized that that this law firm had had buggered up and I think the impact was about 200 million dollars so it was wow. it was a big number probably the most I've saved a client in my career um, <laughs> but in, in the sorry in the end I was I was right the other side totally knew it was wrong because when we pointed it out there was not a long <laughs> debate about fixing it I think they'd just been sitting there kind of rubbing their hands Hoping. thinking they were going to get a windfall because <laughs> oh of a, a legal stuff up but yeah it just goes to show I think you know the importance of like the detail matters, but you've also got to be able to step back and look at the forest through the trees. And I think that Alan's, like the training I got here emphasized both sides of that equation. And I like to, I I think I talk about it as being able to fly at different altitudes. You You can't negotiate a deal or a transaction if you're only living in the document and obsessing about the details, but you also have to to make sure that that those are right. So yeah, I definitely learned how to to do that here. And that's probably the best example of me. Yeah. I hope you were treated to a, a very luxurious dinner and, <laughs> and, and, and following that or a bonus even, because that's probably bigger than I will, anything I will ever do in my entire life. My, my entire uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's very impressive. I hope we take that attention to detail beyond typos where we currently <laughs> live. But I think also, you know, the another great, I think, cultural thing about Allens is no matter your level, whether you're a paralegal all the way through, like your voice is welcome and you're that's encouraged right. to speak up and contribute. And I think that's a really important cultural aspect that is definitely not the case, I think, at other firms or, or companies for sure. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. I was I was actually going to end on that note. I was going to ask you both. We've spoken about some amazing things that you've both done since leaving Allen's, and and I know for some of our listeners who are still at university, 
perhaps a career in law is still something they're considering, let alone all of these other um, big and exciting things. It can be a little overwhelming, particularly um, when, you know, law firms live in big, tall, shiny buildings and people are very impressive. Did you ever think when, you know, you were at the start of your career, oh God, like, do I do I really belong here? Is this for me? And what did you counter that inside voice with if, if you did struggle with it? Nick, I'll start with you and then I'll move to Jack. I think inevitably you do. Like, I think everyone does. You have days and weeks and months at the beginning where you're in, in, invariably going to feel like an idiot at one time or another. <laughs> but I think I always got a sense that the firm kind of inherently or intuitively backed its grads. Like I think they knew they'd brought together a good cohort and we supported each other. And you're not expected to do what Jackie just described <laughs> in your first year or your second year. It would be a good look though. It would be a great look. Yeah. And it's a gentle place to learn. At least it has yeah. been to me so, so far. soft landing at the beginning. You get plenty of training. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> How about you, Jackie? I was going to say, I could sit here and also tell you lots of stories about big, um, I won't swear, but stuff ups I've had no, during no, my no. career. Keep, keep it the very polished, huge achievements. That's <laughs> the way that we like to do this. I also learned here kind of how to deal with mistakes and the sooner you own them and address them and confront them, like the, the smaller they become. And I actually think when you've made a mistake and you address it well, people can think so much more highly of you than they did before, even if you'd nailed it, because they recognize that it was an error, but when they see you, if you're poised and proactive and constructive and you you can, you navigate mistakes, like that's actually what people I think want to see from junior lawyers. So I would say, don't be afraid of making mistakes. And if you do make them, you know, own them and, and learn from them and move on. And that's all people, ex- people can expect. That's very good advice, Phil. Um, I, I've loved speaking to you both today. I personally feel feel very inspired both to simultaneously stay here and make the most of it and also <laughs> leave immediately. immediately leave and, and explore the world. So I'm very, very grateful for your time and thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really reassuring to people out there making the decision about clerkships or law careers or whatever that it's hard to go wrong once you've done like a career in the law and, and starting at a place like Allen's is a great way to open up those doors. I mean, I would just say, as we've said, I think relationships and people are everything. So learn about the firms, but actually if you're thinking about doing a clerkship or joining a law firm, get to know the people because that matters at the end of the day, those relationships. Absolutely. Thanks very much both for your time. Thank you for being here and sharing your insights and careers. And thanks everyone for joining along at home and we'll see you next time.